Market Journal, television for agricultural business decisions, is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Thanks so much for joining us here on another episode of Market Journal. I'm Brian Stuskit. Happy May to you. With the first few days of the new month now behind us, of course, planting continues all across the heartland. Coming up on today's program, we'll discuss a tool that you might want to utilize as you look to spray your fields throughout the growing season. We'll also get the latest iteration on the Nebraska LEED program and an upcoming solar workshop. That's a preview of what's ahead, but first. We check in now on planting progress with this in-the-field update. As the saying goes, slow and steady wins the race. Brian Hoyta, a farmer in Saunders County, said he and his crew are slowly making progress on spring planting. My colleague Chad Moyer visited with him recently as he said he was preparing to begin that planting season. And then from there, we'll see what happened. Kind of changed our plans a little bit, trying to do as much no-till as we can. I didn't even uh, anhydrous this year, I'm putting on liquid just to kind of save some moisture and, and hopefully everything works out next fall for us. Tell me about the moisture situation around this area. Yeah, as you dig down, is there some topsoil moisture? Is there some subsoil moisture on your farm? Yes, there's topsoil moisture. Subsoil, I don't really know. I haven't really dug down that far, but I know we're short because we were short last year, so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, from last year to this year, you know, there's been uh, a fair amount of drought in the state of Nebraska. Has drought affected you and your operation here in the southeast, uh, in the southwest part of Saunders County? Not a whole lot different than we usually do. I try to no-till everything as much as I can. So, but, uh, you know, the fields are, since it was dry, we don't have any ditches or anything to really fix so much. So it's, it's uh, looking good conditions that way. Visiting with Brian this past week, he did say that planting was underway for him now. He did report it was that typical early season, uh, those hiccups that is, popping up. That's certainly the story each year for most folks. Earlier this week, it was a celebration with a kickoff of May as Beef Month. Nebraska Governor Jim Pillen signed a proclamation declaring appreciation for beef as well as the state's vibrant cattle industry. He did so at an event which was hosted by the Nebraska Cattlemen and the Nebraska Beef Council in Lincoln. Also in attendance at the event was the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. Director Sherry Vinton told us that the department is working to promote beef both in and outside of Nebraska. In-state efforts include ensuring that counties are welcome to expansion. We're working with all our counties to make sure that we can get new livestock facilities sited properly so we can have growth. And we're also sharing it outside of our borders. We're we're having an aggressive travel schedule. We've been to Mexico and Chile already this year, and we're planning trips to Europe, Vietnam, and our traditional partners, South Korea and Japan. So we're looking forward to sharing that story. Now the Nebraska Beef Council is calling all beef lovers to join in on their latest promotion. The council is asking consumers to share their photos and experiences with beef online as part of their best stories start with beef sweepstakes. So grab a steak and share your story. Who knows, you might just win some prizes along the way. 
Well, it's certainly been a spring full of sunshine here in eastern Nebraska. For those with solar panels on their property, that sunshine is being converted into dollar bills or perhaps cheaper energy rates. The economics of solar systems for people interested in renewable energy has continued to improve. But before making an investment in solar, it's often best, of course, to do your homework. That is why Nebraska Extension will be offering a free webinar on this topic. This webinar will cover the general design elements of the behind the meter on farm solar and the economic returns by walking through the value of electricity and interconnection policies. So really looking at the economics uh, for farmers of putting these uh, relatively small solar arrays in behind the meter and uh, kind of going over the, the feasibility and the economic return of those systems. People ask me a lot uh, on uh, what, what kind of return do these have or, or are they a good economic uh, deal to put in? And, and the answer is, you know, depends on where you are. And, and part of that is that um, there are some thresholds with state policy uh, regarding that metering and utilities as they meet that those thresholds they are able to adopt their own policies and those policies differ throughout the state and that makes the economics differ throughout the state. Um, I, I think that there's a lot to be learned with respect to um, how to pick an installer that'll help us uh, get better quality installations. Um, you know, some details on that economic analysis of how to really kind of do your due diligence and make sure that you're um, getting what you what you want and getting the production that you want. So um, I, I think that they're going to go into it with uh, some more details with regard to um, getting quotes and things like that and be able to do a better job evaluating those quotes. This webinar is presented by UNL Center for Ag Profitability and will be available over Zoom. The online event will begin on May 11th at 12 o'clock Central Standard Time. You can follow the link on your screen now to pre-register for that event. Well, the Nebraska LEAD program began over 40 years ago to help develop agricultural leaders for Nebraska's future generations. LEAD is now recognized as one of the nation's premier ag leadership development programs. We had the chance to sit down with the director of the LEAD program to learn more about the program as well as their current recruitment efforts. On the front of the pamphlet this year, it says, Wanted 30 highly motivated Nebraskans. Uh, involved in ag that want to develop their leadership skills. That is the summary of the Nebraska LEAD program. Who are you looking for specifically? Well, Bryce, we're looking for men and women, generally between the ages of 25 and 55, but that age shouldn't deter someone from applying. If they're a few years younger or a couple years older, the, the, my board of directors and the Nebraska Ag Leadership Council is really looking at putting a very diverse age group of people together. Uh, we're looking for those men and women. They're passionate about agriculture. They want to take that first step on their leadership journey. And uh, they want to find out what they're really passionate about. And we're going to help them do that. What are they signing up for when they enroll in the Nebraska, they, when they apply, I should say, for the Nebraska LEAD program? What's that look like? Well, let's not scare them off, but <laughs> it is a big time commitment and almost 1,200 Nebraskans have done it. So it can be done. I know everybody's really busy nowadays, but during our two years uh, in the, when they're in the program, they're going to study local, state, and national issues that first year. There are six three-day seminars that happen across the state of Nebraska. Also that first year is a 10-day study travel seminar to Kansas City, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. The second year, after a big break, we typically give them from April to mid-September off, they'll start that second year, and that's six more of those seminars, those three-day seminars, and a international study travel seminar to two to four countries for about 14 to 16 days. Pretty impressive lineup that uh, you get people through in these two years. And if you go back in time for the LEAD program, something you continue here in 2023 as you're looking for the next class, 
It's all about developing people's leadership skills in the state of Nebraska, develop them for the ag industry. What are some of the people who go through the LEAD program? What do they go on to do, Terry? Well, many of them, several of them, have gone on to be Nebraska state senators, and I think that's very important that rural Nebraska has their voice in our state legislature. You know, we have one United States senator and Senator Fisher, but many of them get involved in the Grower Association and the Commodity Boards. You know, Bryce, they go back to their communities, large, small, rural, urban, and they get involved. They make their communities a better place to live, work, and play. You know, economic development, uh, county commissioners, uh, city councils, school boards, hospital boards, youth organizations that they work with, uh, you know, all those things are very important. Their local churches and so forth, they're providing leadership at all levels. You expose them through this program to a lot of those opportunities, given the education about the, the diverseness, I guess, as the state of Nebraska to help maybe spark some of those ideas of some areas they can serve in back of those communities, right? Well, we do it with a lot of help. And, you know, we have the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is our greatest benefactor. But when I look at the state colleges and the rest of the sister organizations of the university system, along with some of the community colleges, they're all involved providing experts to help provide those experiences. And that's that's what we are. We're an ex, uh, transformational travel and experiential leadership development program. I can guarantee the, uh, your, the people out there that go through the program, you're not going to be writing a research paper. You're not going to be learning a whole bunch of theory things. You're going to learn real grassroots leadership. League Class 42, applications due June 15th. What's the first step if somebody wants to get more information, perhaps apply? Well, the first step is to find out more about the program, and they can do that by giving my office a call, 402-472-6810. Chances are they may know someone in their community that's been through the program. We can connect them with those individuals if they don't know someone. Um, send us an email, leadprogram at unl.edu. We'll get the, the email. But if they want those materials, they need to give us a call. Send us an email. It's not a lengthy application. It's a lot easier, Bryce, filling out that application today than it was 20-some years ago. I had to use a typewriter, <laughs> and I don't know if any of the, the young people know what those are, but, you know, we do have an electronic application that makes it a lot simpler, but they're going to want to put some thought into those open-ended questions. And also our, our application requires two personal references and two business references. So there's a little bit to be done, but it's very manageable. So don't delay is uh, one of the messages we want to share today. Exactly. Leaders need to take that first step, and this is the first step in filling their toolbox with the skills that we can provide them. If you'd like some more additional information about the LEAD program, or if you're interested in applying, we've included a couple of helpful links along with this story. You can find that on the Market Journal website. Well, it's now time to turn our attention over to the grain markets. On Wednesday afternoon, we had the chance to catch up with Bar Chart Senior Analyst, Darren Newsom. Well, let's uh, size up what's going on, particularly in the corn and soybean markets. As we look at those markets over the past uh, couple of weeks, Darren, it's been a sell-off of sorts. What's happening? We've seen a lot of fund selling hit these markets. And in fact, I mean, if, if we look back at the CFTC commitments of traders reports, legacy futures only is really the only one that matters. We've seen massive liquidation uh, in both markets, but predominantly in corn, so much so that with the next uh, with the next report, I'm guessing coming out Friday afternoon, uh, I would not be surprised to see funds holding a net short future position in corn for the first time since early August 2020. So, I mean, we've moved from a large net long to a to a small net short. And so, you know, this has put pressure on the market. Have fundamentals changed that much? A little bit. We had, you know, we've, we've seen the spreads indicating that we've had, you know, quick uh, quick planting going on early, uh, possibly more, more acres getting put in. And now we'll wait and see what the weather is. But 
you know, fundamentals still have not turned. They're, they're still bullish. So we, so that hasn't changed, both old crop and new crop. And so once the selling finally let up, once the long liquidation finally let up uh, here midweek, uh, all of a sudden a few buy orders came in, then some short covering started happening. And like so many markets, uh, particularly if we go back to Wednesday, so many markets, it looks like a stampede uh, got started. And now we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, I think you're, re you're referencing wheat in particular there as we look at how it closed on Wednesday. Uh, complete turnaround of how that market has been trading thus far. And, and Darren, as you and I often talk about, the winter wheat crop that is just not there once again this year, is it? No, I mean, it's gone. I talked to folks out in the southwest part of Kansas and, and you know, their crops already been zeroed out. They're already going to work it up and they're going to go into something, you know, they're going to probably go into some dry land corn. It's a corn deficit area, uh, a lot of feed yards that need uh, that need some feed. So my guess is it's going to go mostly into dry land corn. So everyone was talking about, OK, so this latest rain, did it save it? No, because the crop's already going to be gone. But what it did do is it makes a better planting situation, an early growing situation for a new crop, excuse me, for a dry land corn crop. So we'll see how much of that happens over the coming weeks, uh, but it's certainly not going to help the dead wheat crop. Yeah, at least gives you a chance on that second crop. Darren, I'm curious, what uh, from your perspective, when you look at this activity from the, the non-commercials, the investment fund side of things, what's that tell you? That is a tricky question because we've seen this isn't just grain and oil seeds. We're seeing liquidation occurring in energies. We're seeing it across a number of key commodity sectors. And so there's a couple of different ways we could argue this. One that the most talked about is you know, everyone's worried about the overall uh, global economy. I'm not sure that I buy that. To me, it's more of a factor of we, we see that the, the U.S. stock index uh, markets have, have turned higher. And so that being the case, I think investment money is flowing back into stocks. So, you know, the old saying, you know, selling man go away just simply isn't true. If we get a little bit of a sell off here in early May, I think you're going to find money continuing to come into stock markets. And then with the Fed uh, this week, you know, raising interest rates another 25 basis points. But the key being they were they might look at slowing or possibly, you know, the Fed fund futures forward curve, always fun to say, uh, indicating that we could see a decrease in July or maybe August. Uh, then I, you know, that just gives more fuel uh, to the money going into stocks, into bonds and out of some of these other investments like commodities. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up interest rates. I was going to toss that to you and say, stop me if we've talked about this before, Darren, because we have. <laughs> it feels like we uh, it's something you and I bring up each time we talk. As we as we continue to look at the, the grain markets here, then we'll pivot to a little bit of livestock. What do you make of the long-term fundamentals in corn and soybeans? Long-term fundamentals are still bullish. They're not as bullish as they were. If we look at the, you know, if we look at the uh, Dece March corn spread, it's it still has a relatively weak carry. You know, it, it, just to, you know, to compare that to Kansas City where everything's inverted, so we know that's a much more bullish situation. But the Dece March spread it has a weak carry March May and so on. Similarly, the uh, Nov Jan Jan March March May soybean spreads also showing a weak carry. So we know long-term fundamentals are still. We're going to call them still bullish. They're working their way towards neutral, but only because we're getting into that time of year where we're getting planting done and weather looks to be a bit more favorable. So it hasn't changed that much. Still looks like we're going to be dealing with some tighter supply and demand as we make our way through 23-24. All right, let's talk lean hogs and we'll uh, close out on, on cattle. Have we finally seen a bottom maybe put in when it comes to uh, the lean hog market, Darren? Every time I want to say 
that the bottom is in hogs, they go lower, they dig another hole. It's it's very hard to do. We, we've got selling coming from every every direction in the hog market. So, you know, I, I'd like to see the hog market find a bottom in here, find, you know, be able to start rallying, uh, find some buying interest of some kind. I just don't want to be the first one to jump in there and say, yeah, this market's turning. I don't want to be the first one to buy into hogs, particularly, you know, if we can't get the big money to follow along. All right, we'll end here. When it comes to the cattle complex, you're looking at box beef prices. What do you want to share with us this week? To me, box beef is the key economic indicator uh, for the U.S., and we've seen it just incredibly strong. We've seen select going up over $300. Uh, we've seen large gains for the last number of months. But here as we're making our way through the early part of May, it has softened a bit. So, you know, we'll have to see if this is a trend that develops, and if so, maybe we're finally topping out this boxed beef market odd time of year for that to happen, but we'll see. Uh, and if so, will that have a ripple effect on the cash market and ultimately on the futures? Good stuff there with Darren. We sure appreciate his time this week. Looking ahead to next week, we'll be joined in the studio by Heartland Farm Partners President Jeff Peterson. Well, managing nitrogen is complex. A company called Sentinel Fertigation is working, though, to make it simple. It is a sensor-based fertigation management system which can help cut nitrogen on irrigated corn crops. The system, with the system, farmers can reduce their nitrogen by nearly 50% and still achieve similar yields. This breakthrough in nutrient efficiency is not only positive for the environment, but of course it's also positive for the bottom line. If you're interested in learning more, you can read all about it in the May issue of the Nebraska Farmer. Well, let's check in now with Market Journal weather analyst Bill Boyer. Well, Bill, it's been a fairly nice week with lots of movement, of course, out in the field. How are things shaping up as we turn to the week ahead? Well, absolutely, Bryce. It was a very good week to get a lot of planning done. A lot of planning going on. I had the opportunity to drive across the state this week, at least a large portion of the state. A lot of people putting in a lot of hours out there to get the crops in and get uh, things moving here for this time of year. Overall, if I was going to assess this week in terms of being able to get out in the fields, yes, we're going to have a pretty good stretch of weather, although uh, certainly more chances of rain and thunderstorms nearly every day this week. But we've got some concentrated stuff coming in later on in the week as well. But uh, overall, still looks pretty mild out there. And again, an increasing chance of us seeing some rain, much needed rain. And this is certainly the time of year we need to get it. Exceptional drought conditions in Kansas slide up into extreme drought conditions from southwest through the sand hills back into east central and northeast Nebraska. We still have that pocket of exceptional drought conditions there. And then back in the panhandle, a section of extreme drought conditions as well. Just this far southeastern, the only part of the state that's officially not in drought right now. Uh, but uh, basically the rest of the state can use the moisture. And we've got some coming. Again, on a nearly daily basis, we're looking at scattered shower and thunderstorm activity. Pretty typical for what you would expect this time of year. Any ongoing precip this morning will slide off and will reset the stage later tonight into tomorrow morning with some more isolated to widely scattered showers and thunderstorms. Now through the first half of the week, there's not really a day that will pinpoint where there's a better chance of seeing showers and storms. We just see those reforming every day here across the region. And again, scattered, widely scattered uh, in some areas are going to get a decent amount of moisture out of these. Some are going to get repeating moisture uh, day after day, but the odds are pretty good when we take the whole week uh, that border to border across the state, we're going to see uh, some moisture. Now, as we go into Thursday, 
You'll notice Thursday, this is maybe a day when we're going to see some more concentrated precip as we go Thursday, especially into Friday here across the state. It looks like maybe Friday could be a day uh, that we see better chances of moisture. And look at this heavy moisture just off to the south and east of us. But the good news is there's moisture coming and temperatures are going to be pretty nice for uh, whatever you have planned out there. We're talking 70s and 80s near to slightly above normal temperatures Saturday right on into Sunday. You can see, even see some uh, warmer temps in that starting to build off to the south of us. But generally we're looking at 70s and 80s as we start uh, Tuesday and into Wednesday. Not much change really through the whole week. Maybe Thursday out in front of that system. Some warmer temperatures there in the southeastern corner of the state could see some low 90s sneak in. And then by Friday, we bring temps down a little bit uh, with uh, better chances of rain. And again, hopefully that comes to fruition as we could all use the moisture. So what are we talking about with moisture? You remember that area of drought that snuck from the Panhandle and then down through South Central, up through the Sand Hills and into Northeast Nebraska? That's where these models are showing the most precip this week with maybe some widespread amounts of an inch or two or locally higher amounts. Let's hope that comes to fruition. Boy, that would uh, do a great deal here early on in May because as we look at the 8 to 14 day outlook, we're looking at uh, above normal temperatures and maybe a slight chance of above normal precip. So we need the moisture when we can get it, and this would certainly be a good week to get some, Bryce. Alrighty, thank you for that update, Bill. Finally today, we're going to look at a tool that could save you as well as your neighbors some headaches down the road. It's called DriftWatch, and it's designed to help pesticide applicators and specialty crop growers communicate more effectively in order to prevent and manage drift effects. We spoke with a man who manages the system, Craig Romery from the Department of Agriculture, to get all the details. Great to see you again. Last year we had you on to discuss this topic. It's all about FieldWatch. That's kind of the, the parent company of sorts and the parent platform for these tools. What are those tools and what is FieldWatch? Well, FieldWatch is a, is a communication tool online and that's the parent company and that's the main encompassing uh, system. Um, and so it's a communication tool between specialty crop growers as well as corn and soybean growers uh, and pesticide applicators. Um, and so that those uh, people would add their information online. Um, there's three main uh, registries within FieldWatch. DriftWatch is the uh, registry for specialty crop growers and corn and soybean growers. BeeCheck is the registry for beekeepers. And then what I want to focus on today is field, uh, field check, which is the registry for pesticide applicators, where they can uh, create an account and get more benefit from the, from the system. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, how this is connecting people and connecting, connect, as you mentioned, communications platform. Worst case scenario here, specialty crops are located somewhere, or, or bees, and one of those options, and something is perhaps sprayed, drifts there, and might uh, cause quite a bit of damage. That's why this platform exists, Correct. right? To, to kind of bridge that communication. Talk more about that. Well, there's there's uh, um, the, uh, the three registries, and so those sites would be on the map, and there's the, basically three ways applicators can use that information that's online. The first way would be to uh, um, just go to the website and look at the area where they're wanting to spray that day or that week. Um, that's, uh, that's free of charge and it's uh, readily available. The second way would be to sign up with FieldCheck and create an account themselves. 
and then they get communication from the system when new information is on the map so they wouldn't have to check as frequently uh, and they would get that information since the last time they looked and, and that's also free for applicators to sign up and use. And the last way is a, is a membership, a charge, a fee for the use of FieldWatch where they can get uh, uh, mapping data sent to their mapping uh, uh, ag, precision ag software uh, through a third party and, um, and that's available. Um, for government agencies, uh, FieldWatch offers that free, that, that uh, GIS, that geographic mapping stuff uh, free uh, uh, upon request. And so again, it's, it's um, the main reason is to let people know that it's there. A lot of times these specialty crops aren't that visible. Um, and, and then the corn and soybean crops, uh, you may not know exactly what, what the uh, tolerance is that, that your neighbor's growing across the fence. Okay, so if I'm a specialty crop grower or uh, growing, as you mentioned, corn and soybeans can also apply here and want to register my fields, how do you go about doing so? Well, the, uh, you go to uh, the, what I would suggest is go to our website, the Nebraska Department of Ag's website, and that's nda.nebraska.gov and search for Field Watch or Drift Watch. And on that page that you would select, there's uh, our Field Watch page. The, the top section is for applicators and they can go in and register there. Uh, down below that, there's a section for specialty crop growers and uh, row crop growers, and they can, um, they can register there as well to put their information on the map. Yeah, great platform here. I'm glad we're able to shed a light on it. I guess from your perspective and your role with the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, why is this important for producers to be part of? Well, again, the whole intent would be to reduce instances of, of uh, unintended pesticide drift. Um, again, you may not know that there's a commercial garden or a commercial vineyard across the, the fence, uh, across the tree line. The same thing with the, the various tolerances that might or might not be in the crop next to you, the corn and soybean crop. You can look on the map, see that information. Uh, most growers that are in Drift Watch make their contact information available so you could con call that person or send them an email just to let them know what your plans are and, and try to create a dialogue there. Most of the growers in Dripwatch would appreciate that. It's not required, but um, certainly that's the intent would be to, to create additional communications so that uh, we avoid those instances. And then by doing that, you're avoiding potential complaints through our department. Yeah, more communication here, obviously better than less. Right. Thanks again to Craig for joining us on this week's show. If you're interested in learning more about Driftwatch, you can visit their website. It is simply driftwatch.org. Well, that is going to put a wrap on this week's show. Do remember, if you missed a story, you can follow along with Market Journal on YouTube and on social media to join in on the conversation. We do hope to see you back here next time. Until then, I'm Bryce Duskit, wishing you a safe and productive week. Join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.